Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Fizz Radio. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein on the score 1260. And there's a lot to talk about, Brad. We're going to talk about a little bit of a Syracuse wish list. Of course, it's holiday season. Presents being exchanged. What are some presents we could give to Syracuse in the future? Then after that, we got to get into a little bit of the debate of guys coming back for the basketball team. Maybe Joe Girard, Kadar Richmond, who's the starter. And then we'll round off the show at the top of the hour talking the recruiting class and, of course, Fizz feedback, but Brad, we really have to start with a Syracuse wish list here. And for me, the biggest thing is look, Joe Girard struggled, Buddy Bayheim struggled from three. For me, the present that I would give Syracuse basketball is just the ability to knock down threes at the extent that they did last year. That's something that really, if there's anything that's been missing, that's the biggest thing to me. Yeah, and it almost feels like a regift, and no one wants a regift at the at this point in time, but. Yes, the three balls have just evaporated. They go 3 of 19 against Buffalo, somehow score over 100 points. Yeah, I understand it was overtime, but still, somehow score over 100 points when you go 3 of 19 from the field. That's pretty impressive. But then 2 of 18 on Wednesday against Northeastern, it's such a head-scratcher because this team has been branded as one of, if not the best, three-point shooting teams that Jim Beheim has ever coached. And I, I think a lot of people are surprised to see those threes just not falling, but it's a streaky team. The shooters have to shoot, and with these COVID layovers, that's that's kind of going to be the medicine that you're going to have to swallow. Yeah, you mentioned it's kind of a re-gift, and I, I don't know what the comparison might be. It's better than, you know, some old clothes or some old socks that you got. It's, it's a pretty solid gift you're giving here, right? But it's not... You know, it's not tatters that you got the year before, but it's something where you're like, all right, well, this could be useful again, but, you know, it's not the same when you had it last year. And obviously, the big thing here, Alan Griffin has been streaky. We'll get to him a little bit later. Buddy Beheim has not done well since returning from his personal COVID pause. And Joe Girard, of course, we'll talk about him a little bit later as well, but he has really, really struggled. And there's really, look, is Quincy Garrier the guy stepping up? Right now, he's the best three-point shooter on this team percentage-wise, Brad. <laughs> yeah, and he's been really good. He's he's lapped himself in terms of last year's shooting performance. And it's funny because Garrier is the kind of guy that everyone was expecting him to be a shooter. When he came in, he was a four-star three-point shooter, not a four-star guy that's going to put up 10 and 10 underneath with rebounds and putbacks and all this, yeah, he was muscular, and yeah, he could, but he was branded as O'Shea Brissett, who can shoot better, and that just wasn't the case last year, and it almost felt a lot like Paul Harris, too, because when Paul Harris came to the hill, he was supposed to shoot, and Beheim told him, hey, uh, don't do that anymore, and eventually the three started to hit. So, But yeah, I say it's, it feels like a re-gift because Syracuse fans have already had it. You had that Boston College game, where the Orange set a program-high 16 threes, and it just feels like it's dangling in front of Syracuse fans. Can they hold on to it, keep the receipt, and just uh, just live with this identity that is three-point shooting, for better or for worse? 
Thomas Schultz, Brad Klein here with you on the score 1260 Fizz Radio all the way up until 10 a.m. And Brad, we're generous here on the Fizz, so I know we've got other gifts to hand out to the Syracuse basketball program. What's one of yours to them this year? Well, here was the, the number one on my list was that they actually play. All I want for Christmas is basketball, Thomas. I mean, come on. With all this COVID stuff, and I understand that that's the climate of America right now, and and this is just how it has to be. When when the schedule came out and Syracuse was adding some games, what have you, they're supposed to play anywhere between 25, 27 games. No one actually thought that they would play all 27, all 25, whatever it was. But we kind of understand that some teams are going to play more than others. And it just seems like Syracuse will inherently be one of the teams that plays fewer games. Because now they have this two-week contact tracing layover with Buffalo's positive test. Notre Dame gets postponed. Wake Forest gets postponed. North Carolina in 2021 gets postponed. And the end is not even in sight. The real problem I have, I understand eventually they're going to play. And this is just a two-week formality that Syracuse has to go through. And the state only calls for 10 days. The CDC calls for 14. So it's a full two weeks. I understand that eventually they'll play. My fear is that these games that are being postponed and called off will not be made up. I don't think they will. Notre Dame, for example. There is no foreseeable hole in the schedule for Syracuse to squeeze Notre Dame in. And vice versa. Notre Dame doesn't have any time in their schedule either. Syracuse is going to play once every three to four days scheduled basketball. Where does Notre Dame fit in? Where does Wake Forest fit in? Where does North Carolina fit in? The answer, it really doesn't. So just play and let's try to enjoy it while we have it. And going off of that, Brad, like you mentioned, obviously unfortunate, and this is going to be a thing, a trend all year long with teams all across the country. We've already seen it with some of the premier teams in college basketball already, but this was a nice little stretch for Syracuse here where you thought, all right, you get Notre Dame, you get Wake Forest. Those are a couple of teams that you can beat. Those are teams where maybe Syracuse starts to finally get in a groove, of course, going to overtime against Buffalo. That's a team you theoretically should be beating and obviously this team just hasn't looked like itself all year long or at least hasn't looked like what people thought they could be and I think the ceiling is still has not been realized for this team and a lot of that's because look they just haven't been able to play they haven't been able to get in a groove at all and just this is another pause and we'll see hopefully this is the last one for Syracuse basketball but I think this is three now since before the season even began for the team and it's just really unfortunate and um, you know it's it's going to be a trend all, all season long, and it's tough, especially for a team where you got a lot of new guys coming in that are starting to gel. Kadari Richmond, Woody Newton, another guy that has been streaky so far who would have used this time to probably maybe sustain a little success is Alan Griffin. Of course, the transfer from Illinois. That's my third gift, or my second gift, our third gift here on Fizz Radio to the Oranges. Look, Alan Griffin's got to sustain some success. Stop being so streaky. Get a little consistent, and I think, Brad, our two gifts are really a nice little one-two punch. If yours comes in, then mine can follow pretty quickly. Yeah, Alan Griffin is the kind of guy that Syracuse, it kind of just feels like Syracuse needs him to be successful consistently. And he comes in, and he kind of looks like Elijah Hughes, and a lot of the people kind of feel like he's going to step into the Elijah Hughes role. And Elijah Hughes' role was not just okay, Give me 20, give me give me a good game every... It was 
a give me a good game every game. It was sustained success. Can Alan Griffin do that? We saw his ceiling against Buffalo. That's what he's capable of. In fact, I think he's capable of more because even the Buffalo game, where he had a career-high 24 points, had the 10 rebounds, had the game-saving block, he was only one of six from range. This is a guy that can shoot, so what if those threes start to hit? Jim Beheim said that this guy cannot let his defense affect his offense. The zone defense, the zone IQ is still coming along, and that's why this layover is really going to hurt a guy like Alan Griffin because if that defensive mindset is locked into his offensive mindset, then the defensive uh, awareness and this layover, it's not going to help. It's not going to help any facet of this game. See, but my wish list, Thomas, caps off with the middle of the zone, Barama Sidibe to return quickly, healthy, soon. Because Barama Sidibe has anchored this zone's defense, and we saw what Buffalo can do. Buffalo, for example, can do with a big fella inside without Barama Sidibe. Mbala, Josh Mbala, even though he's six foot nine, he's big and he's muscular. And Quincy Guerrier, Marek Dolajai, they couldn't handle him alone. And Sidibe with, with Sidibe out, Mbala goes for 27 points, tying a game high. So you kind of feel like you need Sidibe in there just for defense. And he better be back. He better be back healthy and at 100% because the idea was that he'd be back in late December. And now Syracuse won't play until what looks like mid-January. So he has this extra time. Maybe it's good for Barama Sidibe. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. But when Syracuse returns, my wish is that Barama Sidibe is there with him. Thomas Schultz, Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. And Brad, you brought up an interesting point talking about Jeff Buffalo's Josh Mbala, excuse me. And, you know, you mentioned Barama Sidibe. They need him in there for defense. Quincy Garrier, he's got the muscle to match up. He doesn't have the height. Merrick Dolezal, he's got the height. He doesn't have the muscle. Mer- uh, Barama Sidibe and Quincy Garrier really are a nice one-two punch. Garrier bringing the muscle. Sidibe bringing the height. So you mentioned it, and I think you're right. That's the biggest thing. We can talk about shooting all day long, but Syracuse needs Barama Sidibe back, and if there's a guy that has finally, maybe in his absence, shown his worth to the fans, it's Barama Sidibe because, look, Merrick Dolezal is a really nice player. He's the best passer on this team. Nobody matches up down low with Sidibe defensively. He's just the by far the best player on this Syracuse team in the paint. And they need him to be able to sustain runs against some of these ACC opponents. They just cannot match up defensively without him. I think that's a pretty good gift you got there, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the frustrating thing. You mentioned that Dolajai is the team's best passer. I would actually venture to say that in, in terms of IQ, he's the team's best defender. But there are some physical limitations with Marek Dolajai. He gained the 15-plus pounds in the offseason. That's great. I've actually seen it implemented. I see where it comes from, and he's been using that extra weight, but it's just not enough. And Sidibe, even though he's not the strongest he could be, he's certainly stronger than Dolajai, and that's something that Syracuse fans have been missing during this month-ish that he's been out. Well, and the thing is, you mentioned Merrick Dolajai has a lot of advantages over Sidibe, but Barama Sidibe, obviously, defensively, that's probably the biggest thing that he has over Dolajai. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what happens once Barama Sidibe returns. We've had some dueling fizz columns on orangefizz.net that you can check out about who goes to the bench, who's relegated. We'll talk about that. And, of course, the 
ensuing Joe Girard, Kadari Richmond, who starts. We'll get into all that on the other side of the score, 1260. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein here all the way up until the 10 o'clock hour. And Brad, there's been a lot of animosity recently on OrangeFizz.net. Some of our colleagues writing some dueling columns. Gil Gross saying, Merrick Dolezal needs to go to the bench once Barama Sidibe returns. And Matt Bonaparte saying, you know what? Barama Sidibe needs to be the guy that heads to the bench. This team with Dolezal at center, Quincy Gary at power forward, he thinks has actually worked. I'm more inclined to say that, you know what? They need Merrick Dolezal on the bench out of those two guys, even though he probably has the highest basketball IQ on the team, does so many things for the team. It seems like he may be the odd man out with just how well Quincy Garrier has been playing recently, probably the MVP on the team so far. Where do you lie on this debate that's going on right now? See, personally, I don't think we have to choose between Sidibe and Dolezal. I actually think that Syracuse's best lineup has Joe Girard on the bench, Buddy Beheim and Alan Griffin at the top of the zone, Dolajai Garrier in the wings, and Sidibe in the middle. And here's the thing. That's what I would start with. That's not necessarily your closing lineup, and that's what's the most important thing, okay? That's something that we all have to, at the Fizz, have to realize, that the closing lineup inside the last five minutes of the second half, that's your most important lineup. And I think it's going to be fluent, fluid rather, because... Uh, sometimes Kadari Richmond's going to play well, and sometimes Joe Girard will play well. And sometimes Buddy Beheim will miss every three he takes, and that, therefore he won't be with the closing lineup. Sidibe will be in foul trouble, therefore Dolajai will have to be in the middle. Therefore, that's your closing lineup. So it's going to be a very fluid situation, but I do think that Joe Girard has not done enough defensively, even though he's shown some spurts defensively nor offensively, to warrant a spot in the starting rotation. And I think Alan Griffin, he, he's certainly more, more athletic, certainly longer at the top of the zone. And that's something that Joe Girard has never really been able to comp- overcompensate for at just six foot one. So I think that that is your best lineup. He's certainly not a good zone defender, especially at the top in Alan Griffin, but he's certainly not a downgrade to Joe Girard. So that's what I would do. You cannot bench Marek Dolajai. He's your best passer. He's your smartest player. He's your scrappiest player. Sidibe has to play for defense. And Gary Hay has just done too much to warrant a bench roll. So I guess my question for you, Brad, and I think I speak for Syracuse fans tuning in here, is with Buddy Beheim and Alan Griffin starting, who's handling the ball? Who's your point guard? Is it Alan? I, I would assume it's Alan Griffin, right? Yeah, and, and that's that's a very good question because Alan Griffin is not proven yet that he can be the guy bringing the ball up. Remember, remember at Illinois, he, he was a catch-and-shoot player. So to ask him in less than a year to flip from catch-and-shoot to essentially point guard, I understand. It's, it's a tall task. It's a, it's a tall order. But at the same time, I'm, I'm forecasting Syracuse for tournament time. I'm not looking at what they should look like, what they should play like in January, okay? This is their best this is the lineup that has the most potential. If Alan Griffin can figure out how to create plays for others and facilitate the offense while keeping his identity as a shooter, as a playmaker, then that's your best lineup. And, and something that we also have, can't lose sight of is that Joe Girard is not a point guard. I don't understand Kadari Richmond is, 
but Gerard is not. So it's not really a cardinal sin to say, okay, well, uh, we can't play Alan Griffin at the one because he's not a point guard. No, Joe Gerard's not a point guard either. So what's the difference? At that point, there will be some growing pains. There will be, will be some turnovers, but Joe Gerard turns the ball over a lot too. So I don't actually see anything that Gerard really provides the lineup consistently that Alan Griffin does not. I understand sometimes there are days that Gerard is just better and hotter than Alan Griffin, but I'm talking macro, grand scheme of things. Alan Griffin does more and pretty much anything else that Gerard does. So, Brad, I've got a lineup for you, which I think is Syracuse's best lineup, and I also think has absolutely no chance of ever being the starting lineup for Jim Beheim. Let me lay it out for you. Kadori Richmond, point guard. Alan Griffin, shooting guard. Quincy Garrier, small forward, Marek Dolajai, and Baram Sidibe at the four and the five. Now, I think this gives you your best defensive lineup. Now, what you're doing here is you're basically substituting three-point shooting, right? But the thing is, this is probably your best lineup if Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim continue to shoot like they're doing and slinging up bricks towards the rim. Because I think uh, it's pretty clear, Kadari Richmond is the only actual good defender at the top of the zone. Alan Griffin has the athleticism to be that. We really haven't seen that. Quincy Garrier, while he's had limited three-point attempts, he's been the best shooter on the team so far. Alan Griffin, the second best. Buddy Beheim is shooting below 30% this season. I think 25.9% from three. So I think that's a, he'll get it going. But um, for the time being, it seems like to me, the best lineup would be that. And then you are able to still maintain that continuity at the, at the back line with Marek Dolajai and Barama Sidibe. You still have the defense. You still have your best passer and probably your smartest basketball player on the court with Marek Dolajai. You're taking away your guards from last year. And look, this is something I never see Jim Beheim actually implementing because one, I think Buddy Beheim, in his opinion, is too valuable for the team. But if he continues to shoot at the poorest clip that he's shooting at, in my opinion, this is the best lineup that Syracuse could run out of the floor. Well, you bring up a good point is that if... If Bundy Beheim continues to struggle from range, then this is your best lineup. But you have to understand that shooters shoot, and shooters sometimes miss, shooters sometimes make it. And Buddy Beheim is no different from Joe Girard, who struggled at times this year and caught fire at others. He's cold, but he will be hot. And when he's hot, you would be insane to have him on the bench. So I, I understand the hesitancy and that's why I really wanted to differentiate at the beginning of this segment the difference between your starting lineup and your closing lineup. Closing lineup matters. Starting lineup is really just for pride. And even for pride, you can't, you can't bench Buddy Beheim. He's your best catch-and-shoot player. And catch-and-shoot is one of the most important facets of the game, especially in the 21st century. This is a three-point shooting team, Thomas. You're not going to bench their three-point shooter. So... Here's the thing, Thomas Schultz joined alongside Brad Clyde here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260 all the way up until 10 a.m. with you. This is a three-point shooting team, but what happens when the threes aren't falling, Brad? And that's what we're seeing right here is, look, Joe Girard is losing minutes rapidly, and I want to switch gears here a little bit. He's losing minutes. You know minutes. what, Thomas? Played... When the threes aren't falling, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but Buddy Beheim has proven that even when the threes don't fall, 3 of 19 against Buffalo. He can still perform, and he can still really help this offense. You look at Bunny Beheim against Buffalo, and he had over 20 points, and 
And that's what I really wanted to highlight at the beginning of the show is that, hey, Syracuse, a three-point shooting team, found a way, even with the threes not falling, to really perform well against Buffalo. Don't disappear yet. He played 42 minutes, had 22 points, 0 of 5 from range, but guess what? He made eight shots. Yeah, he took 24. He made eight shots. He moved the ball well, four assists, three steals, by the way. What else can you ask for from a shooter that just so happens to be Cole? Well, so here's the thing, and here's my rebuttal to that, Brad. I think Buddy Beheim, whether he's shooting well from three or not, he's still the better offensive player than Kadari Richmond. I think even if Buddy Beheim had those three steals, Kadari Richmond's going to be your better defensive player game in and game out. The differential for me here and with Joe Girard on the bench is Kadori Richmond's the guy that's bringing the ball up the floor. Now, I think this is kind of the key to our differential here is I don't think either of us think Buddy Beheim's the guy to bring it up, but I think you have more faith in Alan Griffin potentially being able to do that than I do because we haven't seen it. Bear in mind, he very well could do that, but because we haven't seen it, I'm more inclined to say, you know what? Let's save that hot shooting that could potentially come off the bench with Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim later. Let's have Kadari Richmond run the point, have Alan Griffin at the two, and have a big lineup that is by far your most athletic lineup on the floor. It is an athletic lineup, and I really like the idea of Kadari Richmond starting because he's your best defender, especially at the top, maybe even period, the way he's played. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Michael Carter-Williams at the top of the zone, which is a huge compliment. But... He's not ready to start yet. He's proven that in terms of stamina. Jim Beheim says every time Kadari Richmond comes up in a postgame presser, he says Richmond is not ready to play 35, 40 minutes game in and game out. And that's okay. He's a freshman. He's not supposed to be playing that much and get that much run and be expected to play at an impact level for that time. That's fine. To have a guy like that coming off the bench to bring him on when you need to implement a full-core press, when you need a steal, when you need a spark. That's a luxury that a lot of ACC teams don't have, and that's a luxury that a lot of Syracuse fans shouldn't take for granted. But that doesn't mean he should start. Buddy Beheim has to start, and I want to make sure that Syracuse fans don't also fall into the slippery slope of platooning these guys. Alan Griffin, first of all, he's a forward. I understand that. But I'm playing him at the top of the zone, and, and you are too, just because we don't want to bench Dolejai or Garrier. But if Sidibe, when Sidibe falls into foul trouble, which again, that will happen, that comes with Barama Sidibe, that's fine. You move Dolejai to the middle, Garrier to the wing, and then you can move Alan Griffin back to the wing and you have plenty of guards at the top of the zone. But don't platoon these, these guys. They all provide a little something else. Gerard, more of the offensive threat, more, more so than Kadari right now. Richmond more defense, Buddy Beheim more shooting, and Alan Griffin with the athleticism alongside Kadari. So uh, don't platoon them. Just take them for what they're worth. And when you get back to playing basketball, Jim Beheim, try it out. Try out these new combinations because I guarantee come tournament time, you're going to want some run for all of these guys playing together with all these different lineups. Brad, you mentioned that Beheim said Kadari Richmond just isn't ready to start yet. I think he's still the guy that should be starting over Joe Girard, and I know he's a nice guy to have as a spark plug off the bench, but I'd much rather see Richmond start the game, have Syracuse not maybe rely on see if Joe Girard's shooting well or not, and then pull him. 
Let him play 25-30 minutes a game. He doesn't have to play 35-40, to 40, but start him and make him in your closing lineup. Let Joe Girard be that guy that's kind of filling in the middle. If he plays well, if he's shooting well, all right, let him go that game. Sometimes if he's not, all right, well, pull him off the floor. Let Kadari Richmond get more run, have Buddy Beheim. The thing that Syracuse has here is a lot of depth, which obviously they haven't had the past few years, but because of how poorly Joe Girard's shooting, and even if Kadari Richmond gives you zero points, he's still going to be a better player on the floor than Girard. And Jared May disagrees with me on OrangeFizz.net. You can find that column there, but... Look, Kadari Richmond scoring zero points is going to be better than Joe Girard giving you, you know, 10 to 12 just because of how much better defensively he is. And because even when he's not scoring, he's still doing a lot of things on offense. He's finding the open man. And Brad, like you said, Joe Girard, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. So when he has that no, ball... absolutely not. And I understand what you're saying about Kadari Richmond, but the other reason you can't start him outside the fatigue is three-point shooting. Again, this is a team, for better or for worse, that's going to score from beyond the arc. That's just how the personnel has fallen. And that's and Jim Beheim has acknowledged that. You can't start Kadari Richmond on a three-point shooting team yet. I have no doubt that eventually his shot will fall into form, but limited sample size is two of nine from range right now. You mean to tell me that an, a three-point shooting lineup can be sustained with him at the point? I don't think so. Well, Here's the thing, Brad. I have complete faith that Buddy Beheim's going to get back his three-point stroke. Right now, shooting just a tick under 26%. I don't think Joe Girard, I don't have full faith that he's going to be this great three-point shooter that's hitting 37 38% this year. Like, right now, he's shooting just a tick under 33%. That's still better than he shot last year from three. So, yes, he can make them, but his high volume also leads to a lot of poor shots. And while he can make those threes, it's not like he's this guy that's going to be, you know a very efficient score from the field from three for Syracuse in every single game. He's just not. Yeah, I look, I, I, something that has come from this pretty long and beefy segment already, Thomas, is that there's no right answer. And, and I think we both agree that it's a very fluid situation. I understand that the, that the debate will continue. The debate will persist through Christmas, through New Year's, and pretty much to tournament time. But Jim Beheim has an embarrassment of riches that is a good problem to have. Well, Brad, you mentioned this segment's been pretty lengthy, pretty beefy. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some length and some beef, breaking down the Syracuse 2021 recruiting class, and especially who's going to be the starting quarterback next year. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein. We'll be with you all the way up until the top of the hour at 10 a.m. And Brad, we teased it last segment. We really got to get into it. And I think we've got some differences in opinions here. But the recruiting class for the 2021 Syracuse football class, there's a lot of intrigue. But there's one position that is really going to make or break Syracuse's season as it does for football teams every year. The quarterback position. Now, they brought in a guy, a transfer, and Garrett Schrader. Of course, they've got a highly touted freshman coming in, and Justin Lampson, where you can find podcasts that we've had with him on orangefizz.net or on our SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. I think, for me, and something that Syracuse fans aren't going to want to hear, I think Tommy DeVito is going to be the guy next year. I, I just don't Gosh. see a guy coming in and usurping him. That's that's rough. I mean, to drop that on Christmas Eve, too, Thomas. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that. No, look, I understand... The, the draw to Tommy DeVito, he's the safe pick, I guess. If you can call 
a bunch of sacks, a bunch of interceptions. Actually, not that many interceptions, but plenty of sacks. If you can call that safe, then sure, that's safe. He's known, he's charted, and you know what to expect. But if Tommy DeVito's performance from the past couple of years has not lost the starting job, what does? I and mean, what do you actually have to do to prove that you're not the guy? And you have a barn of other horses that are ready to go. Jacoby and Morgan. Yeah, he struggled, but he's a true freshman, three-star recruit. I think he's athletic. I think he has what it takes, potentially, to mold into a formidable starting quarterback. I've always been Team Markowitz, so of course he needs a shot. And then you have two other new guys, Justin Lampson and Garrett Schrader, the transfer from Mississippi State. I think all of them deserve a look. Tommy DeVito, of course, deserves a chance to win the job, and he should probably go in as, a, as the front runner just based on seniority. But I'd be surprised if Dino Baber said, it looks at Tommy DeVito and says, you give us the best chance to win going forward. Not just tomorrow, but for the, the rest of the season for the future. Well, Brad, you mentioned Tommy DeVito may not be the horse to win you the race. The problem is if you look at the stables and that Dino Babers has in his quarterback room, it's a whole lot of ponies, not many racehorses there. We saw Rex Culpepper. Obviously, he won't be back next year. We saw Jacoby and Morgan, and he was okay. He showed a few flashes. The thing is, I, I think we do this, and everybody does this, where we kind of get caught up in a guy that we really haven't seen, and we think, that's the guy. Garrett Schrader is the guy. Justin Lampson's the guy. Justin Lampson's this pretty good high school recruit. Problem is, Tommy DeVito was a four-star top 300 guy. He was supposed to be the guy. Garrett Schrader's a guy who was moved to wide receiver this past season in Mississippi State, so it's not like he was having a ton of success down there in Mike Leach's air raid offense. We get caught up in, well, we haven't seen this person, so let's give him a shot. And that's fun. That's better. It, it's, it's nice to do. I don't think that's going to give you the better option, though. I, I still think, look, Tommy DeVito has a ton of flaws. There's a lot of things that he's not good at. I still don't see a quarterback on this roster that's better than DeVito at the start of next season. And I get that. There are, there's, there's reason to be optimistic for this roster because it's a young roster. And you, you kind of think, okay, well, if we surround Tommy DeVito with youth and with explosiveness, then maybe he'll perform better. And maybe he will marginally. But the definition of insanity, Thomas, is repeating the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Why should Tommy DeVito as the starting quarterback in 2021 be any different than 2020 when he was on the field? No. I need to see a fresh face. And I think Syracuse fans do. Because they basically need a messiah of Syracuse football. It's been such a long time since Syracuse football was good and competitive. Probably since Donovan McNabb, maybe Ryan Nassib. But maybe I have to go all the way back to Donovan McNabb, the last time they had a quarterback that other teams had to prepare for with fear and with gusto. And and Tommy DeVito is just not that. And when we hear the press conferences midweek where the other, the other coaches go, eh, DeVito can sling it. And that's not really true. It's really not. So even if Tommy DeVito is the best quarterback for tomorrow, then Justin Lamson, Dylan Markowitz, Jacoby and Morgan – they give you the best chance to rebuild the program, not just win you the next game. So here's an interesting point here, because I think at the start of next season, you're bringing all these guys back. You've got these secondary players who played a lot as freshmen, of course, against Notre Dame. You were starting six freshmen on defense. 
at the start of next season, I don't think Dino Babers is still going to be in this development phase. And the thing is, if he is, look, he had some leeway this year with John Wildhack saying Dino's still the guy with everything that's gone on. I agree with that decision. If Dino Babers starts to lose again and Syracuse is abysmal again next season, I don't think he has that leeway within the athletic program or within the Syracuse fan base. And I think Tommy DeVito, here, here's the thing, Brad. I understand just being sick of seeing DeVito and wanting somebody new, seeing something else, because we know what we're going to get. If Tommy DeVito is the best quarterback in the offseason, would you still go with somebody else over the quarterback who's been SU's main guy for the past two seasons when playing? See, I'd strongly consider it. If the gap was huge, then probably not. But it's, it's very important that the quarterback is not Tommy DeVito. Anyone but Tommy DeVito. Syracuse fans can be excited about a one-win football team when it's a fresh face, when you can expect the growing pains, and you can see marginal improvements even with a loss on the schedule. And that's why I think Syracuse fans had some hope at the end of 2020. Maybe Jacoby Morgan's your guy, maybe he's not, but he's young and he's out there and he shows some spurts, so yeah, why not? Yeah, I know we lost the game, but hey, Jacoby and Morgan played pretty well. He showed a little something. I have some hope. Well, that I, is what Syracuse has to brand themselves on right now because it's not going to be winning football games. When you have Tommy DeVito as your quarterback, you're not in the business of winning football games. I mean, that's that's true to a point. I also think, look, if Tommy DeVito gets you, and let's assume we have a normal season of play next year, if he goes 5-7 and seven next year and you're – Next best guy, let's say it's Justin Lampson, Garrett Trader, goes three or nine. I'm still more prone to say, give DeVito the reins. Let Justin Lampson just have a year behind him, backing him up. Just kind of getting his feet wet, getting him into these situations where he can play, but he's not the main guy. Because I think the biggest thing with Tommy DeVito is... He just got started on a terrible offensive line, and he's never recovered throughout his career. And I think despite that, if he's still the best guy next season, he's the guy who should start. And Justin Lampson doesn't need to be thrust into the situation. And part of this is just I don't have much faith in Garrett Schrader being the guy, but I don't see a lot of reason to send out Jacoby and Morgan, Dylan Markowitz, Justin Lampson as a guy just to say, well, they're different, they're new, they're young, just to get them... Watch them get torched by an offensive line, which, once again, was not very good this past season. I'd rather see DeVito go back out there, win you maybe a couple of more games, and you can prepare that young guy for the future. A couple more games? He's not going to win you any more games? You're telling me that you'd rather see Tom and DeVito get sacked than the young guys get sacked, and that's well, where I disagree with you. What do you, what, what's the, what do you think the win total is under DeVito next season? Under DeVito, it's marginally more. I'm not saying that Tommy DeVito gives you a worse chance to win football games than all of the above. Garrett Schrader, Jacoby and Morgan, Markowitz, Lampson. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that to rebrand the program, it can't be DeVito again. It just can't. It can't be more of the same. I don't think that Tommy DeVito is a different quarterback. I don't think he's a better quarterback. I don't think all that time that he spent on his back until he got hurt because the offensive line was so poor, I don't think that made him a better quarterback. I think he's the same guy. And for Syracuse fans out there, they deserve better. And they deserve more than just Tommy DeVito over and over and over again getting sacked by the quarterback. And Jacoby and Morgan showed a little something, maybe a little more elusiveness in the pocket. And I know a lot of Syracuse fans out there 
are begging for a more elusive quarterback. And it's not just the elusiveness factor, but it's just it's just the new factor. It, it, it has to be fresh. It has to be different. You have to give Syracuse fans a reason to tune in. Again, it's not going to be wins. To answer your question, what's their win total with Tommy DeVito? They'll win two games with Tommy DeVito. Maybe they'll win one with the other quarterbacks. Wow, that, that's a low bar. I'm assuming we're at least going to have some non-conference games next season instead of a full ACC format during the, during the coronavirus pandemic here. I, I don't know, Brad. I think there's a lot of things up in the air there. I, I think Tavito is probably still, in my opinion, should be the guy because you can say, all right, well, we want something new. We want to give the fans something fresh. But if that guy goes out there and is by far a worse product than Tavito, then there's no point in doing that. But you mentioned the fan base, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Fizz Nation. See what they have to say. It's your favorite ep- your favorite segment, Fizz Feedback, coming up right after the break on the Score 1260. Welcome back into Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein, and now it's time for Fizz Feedback, where we talk to Fizz Nation. Brad, we've got a couple of interesting questions and polls out there on our Twitter at Orange Fizz. What's our first one today? All right, so we have two, and we'll start with Syracuse football. Number one, who is Syracuse's starting quarterback week one of 2021? DeVito, Lamson, Morgan, or Schrader? And then we have two comments here, because Dylan Markowitz's name was absent here, and uh, we have Johnny for Truth taking exception to that. But, uh, Thomas, who do you have? So, before I answer this, I want to say something to Johnny here. Dylan Markowitz, just like the quarterback controversy, just like the poll, he's being left in the dust a little bit. Sorry, Johnny, but that's just the way it is. And look, Brad, I'm going to stick with my guy after last segment. I I hate to say he's my guy, but I think he's Syracuse's best option. It's it's Tommy DeVito. All right, well, at Jimmy Wilkins agrees with you. He says that it's Tommy DeVito by a mile. If you picked anything else, you don't want Syracuse football. At Jimmy Wilkins, I do watch Syracuse football, and I will tell you that Tommy DeVito is hard to watch when I do. Give me the field over DeVito. If I had to pick someone, it's Lamson because I think he has the highest ceiling, but from there, no one else. And we move on to basketball here. Just to cap it off, Thomas, once Sidibe returns, who is relegated to the bench? You have Marek Dolajai, Barama Sidibe, Quincy Garrier, or Alan Griffin. I'll let you go first. I think out of these options, and at the beginning of the year, I would have said Quincy Gary. Now he cannot be relegated to the bench. I mean, this is this is I think the tougher of the polls here, Brad. I think it's got to be Merrick Dolishai. I don't think you can put Barama Sidibe on the bench if he is in fact a hundred percent recovered. If he's only seventy five percent, eighty percent, it makes Jim Beheim's decision pretty easy. But if he's the guy that Syracuse needs in the paint, they desperately need him down low and down the stretch at the end of last season before everything got canceled Barama Sidibe showed that he had turned a corner he had become not just this guy that could put his hands up and block defensively but he could score offensively and he wasn't fouling to the same extent that he has his whole career he turned a corner and I think because of that Syracuse desperately needs him down low so Merrick Dolja has got to be the guy that unfortunately is relegated to the bench out of those four you know, it's an interesting question and, and something that we should have brought up earlier, but Alan Griffin, as a super sub, coming off the bench and playing starters minutes, that's been thrown around a lot in the comments section, and I don't disagree with it, because again, and we acknowledged this earlier in the show, Thomas, but Sidibe will likely get into foul trouble. He does every game that he plays, 
And that's just something that you have to accept with Baramis and Dibe. It's never going to go away. So when that happens, then you can start to Rubik's Cube this lineup the way you want it, the way you need it, and the way it really falls into place based on who's playing well. And that's a luxury, again, that Syracuse fans are not used to having. But Alan Griffin coming off the bench, don't hate it. You have Garrier and Dolajai on the wings. Those are two must-start players. And that's why, kind of by default, you and I both said, well, if you have to start Dolajai and Garrier, then you kind of have to put Griffin at the top of the zone. But uh, to Fizz Nation's point, you really don't. You could just have either Kadari or Buddy or Gerard, two of those three, at the top of the zone. Griffin as a super sub playing 25-plus minutes a game, and the front court is the same. Well, and the thing is, Fizz Nation, look, first things first, you only get four spots in a poll. There are people in the comments throwing out, hey, other guys in the starting lineup, Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, put one of them on the bench. And I think if we did, we opened this discussion up a little bit earlier, Brad, but I think if it's not Merrick Dolezal, maybe it's one of the guards. I, I, I didn't really consider having Alan Griffin come off the bench as a super sub. He did come off in his very first game in Syracuse Orange. I kind of like that, especially if you have Kadori Richmond coming off the bench with him, bringing in Alan Griffin. Maybe Woody Newton gets some run. We saw John Bullock play a little bit. Alan Griffin is a guy who, especially if Richmond's on the floor with him, having those guys just manage the ball. Richmond bringing it up the court. Griffin, kind of your go-to scorer. He's that's a, a perfect opportunity for him to. Be almost Buddy Beheim esque from three, but also he showed he can get to the cup, he can drive, he can get to the hoop, and get a shot wherever he wants. So the more I think about it, I don't really hate the idea of Alan Griffin coming off the bench. No, don't hate it. It's definitely an option, and that definitely solves the quote-unquote point guard predicament. But again, I, I firmly believe that starting lineup, just a formality, just for pride, it really comes down to who's your closing lineup. And if Alan Griffin is shooting well, he's going to be in the closing lineup whether he starts or not. Sadibe, again, whether he fouls out or not, that's really the factor with him. Whatever you need. Do you need points? Are you pressing? Are you going full-core press? Dolajai has been a, doing a good job anchoring that full-core press in the, in the front court, so you really need him. Kadari's your longest player. You need him. Garrier Athletic, you need him. Griffin Athletic, you need him. And I feel like Buddy Beheim is probably your most intelligent full-court press guard. So that's just an example of, okay, what do you need in different situations? Something that we touched up on earlier. But the motif is Alan Griffin as a super sub. You have other options too, Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard. But I really just think those are cop-out answers based on who's hot and who's not. Yeah, it seems like, and it seems like you agree here, Brad, that your closing lineup's kind of going to differentiate by game. Is Joe Girard hot? Is Baramasidibe in? Quincy Garrier hasn't struggled with foul trouble this year, but he did last year a lot. Maybe there are times he fouls out. Merrick Dolajai, if there's a guy down low who's a problem, there's a lot of the thing about Syracuse this year, which we touched on a little bit earlier, they have so much depth that, well, if they miss a guy or two because of foul trouble, whatever happens, well, all right, Jim Beheim's got other options. So that's something which Syracuse fans can kind of breathe a sigh of relief for this season. But that'll just about do it for us here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. I'm Thomas Schultz, joined alongside by Brad Klein. You can find all of our work on orangefizz.net and on SoundCloud and Orange Fizz. Thanks so much for joining us.